Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and I'm the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Stephen Bradley, who is a GP and clinical research fellow at the University of Leeds. And the paper is Associations Between General Practice Characteristics and Chest X-Ray Rate, an Observational Study. Previous research has suggested that increased rates of chest X-ray and urgent referral for suspected cancer may be associated with early stage at diagnosis. And Stephen's been involved in several studies, some of which have been published in the BJGP, exploring this in more detail. So I started by asking Stephen to tell us a little bit more about the most current evidence around the use of chest X-rays in primary care to diagnose lung cancer. We've uh, published a few papers now on the use of chest X-ray in uh, diagnosis of lung cancer. And this work has been supported by Cancer Research UK as part of the the um, the CanTest collaboration. And it's important to, to put a bit of context here first in that in the UK, we use chest X-ray a lot for diagnosis of lung cancer from primary care, whereas a lot of the rest of the world use other modalities like CT. And when we came to this work, really, there wasn't a great deal that was known about chest X-ray and its accuracy for diagnosing lung cancer. In patients who have symptoms, I should say, um, there was some evidence around around screening asymptomatic patients. So uh, firstly, we we conducted a systematic review, which uh, looked at the evidence that was around, and we could only find three studies of a reasonable quality with a low risk of bias, and they included uh, less than 400 patients altogether, and they suggested that chest X-ray has a sensitivity of between 77 and 80% uh, for lung cancer. Then we went on with another study that looked at um, a population of, of around 2,000 patients who had been diagnosed with lung cancer and who had a, a GP-requested chest X-ray in the year prior to their diagnosis. And we uh, estimated sensitivity of, of chest X-ray in that population. And um, that, that, that uh, sensitivity was 82%, um, which falls within the this falls roughly within the uh, the uh, same area as the systematic review but with a much larger population we also conducted a, a cohort study which looked at around 9000 patients who'd attended a service that uh, allowed them to request a chest x-ray because they had symptoms and we looked at the risk of having lung cancer following a negative chest x-ray and we found that for most for almost all symptoms, that risk was very low. Actually, following a negative chest X-ray, less than one percent, except for hemoptysis, where the risk remained about three percent after even after a negative chest X-ray. And then, in this latest study, we've looked at how uh, how frequently chest X-rays are used in English general practices and how how much variation there is between different uh, general practices in how they utilize chest X-ray. Yeah, so I know you've been very modest about this, Stephen, but the, yourself and the group at Leeds have done tremendous work here in, in kind of un- teasing out a lot of information about chest x-rays and cancer, and it's really adding value to what we do and how we go about doing it. Tell us a little bit more about what you did in this study. In this study, we used a data source that's called the Diagnostic Imaging Dataset. It's run by NHS Digital, and they have counts of different uh, imaging modalities uh, broken down by general practice. 
So we looked at the numbers of all chest x-rays requested by general practices in 2018, and we combined that with data on the characteristics of general practices themselves. So things like uh, the staffing in the practices, how many staff, um, the ratios of staff to patients, the locations of the, the practices, whether they are rural or urban, if they were a training practice or not, and also the characteristics of the patients in those practices. So the demographics like proportion of patients aged over 65, smokers, uh, people on, on um, quality outcome framework, uh, registers for COPD and heart failure. And we used all this, all this data to look at the, um, the variation in uh, how often chest x-ray was used by different general practices, uh, adjusting for those factors and adjusting for chance variation as well by using, uh, by using a modeling technique. And from that, we estimated the amount of variation that was uh, due to the characteristics of the practices and their populations. And we found that that, that, that um, was actually that variation that, was, uh, that we could attribute to recorded characteristics of the practices and populations was actually relatively modest. Yeah. So big data set here. I think that's we should point that out. So in your final, after you've been through the processes, like 6,675 practices included in the final study data set. And the idea is you're just trying to really work out what makes practice at a practice level, who's sending people for chest x-rays and who's not sending people for chest x-rays and what factors are associated with that. There were some, I mean, perhaps one of the key findings here is you've, you've I think I'm right in saying that you've struggled to attribute a lot of the differences to any particular factors. It hasn't been clear to be able to work that out, but there were some factors that came through, wasn't there? Yeah, there were. So um, a lot of the things were as you would expect, really. So practices that had a higher proportion of older patients, patients aged over 65, uh, they they undertook more chest x-rays, patients who had um, uh, higher proportions of, of smokers as well, uh, did more chest x-rays, as, as you might imagine. But some other things that you might think, for example, uh, socioeconomic deprivation, we couldn't really find a clear signal there either way. And I think the, the biggest thing for me really is, is just how uh, modest the effects of, of all these characteristics uh, seem to be on, on that variation. Because I think um, in terms of the way we reflect on what we do, we would often be inclined to think, well, our practice is, is different from another practice or we, we uh, do more or less because our population is different. But actually, it was quite surprising to me that, that those population differences, the ones that were recorded at least, did not seem to have a, a terribly big influence on the number of chest x-rays recorded. So my, my intuition would be that a lot of this comes down to uh, cultural factors within practices. So um, really... Uh, differences in how we perceive chest x-rays to be useful and, and just differences between GPs ourselves and how often we, 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 request, we request this because of our own uh, preferences and patterns of practice. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you say there are smokers in practice where there was a lot of smoking or there's heart failure prevalence. And also, I think um, Asian and mixed ethnicity groups had higher levels of chest X-ray, but lower in uh, practices with higher proportions of black 
patients and male populations. But as you say, that only amounted to a small proportion of the actual difference. And there's other factors at play here. So, I mean, that was really, um, you've preempted what I wanted to ask you about next, Stephen, was that you, you think, this, what, what does all this mean? What is going on? What are the differences? Cultural factors? I mean, no, there's a limit to what you can tease out here, but I'd be interested in your views in terms of, and I suppose uh, what where the differences lie and actually how we go about then improving the, or, you know, changing the use of chest X-ray because I think there is some evidence around that actually around chest. There is obviously evidence around in terms of its sensitivity that actually use of chest X-rays could make a dent in uh, longer term outcomes, including mortality for lung cancer. Yeah. So as I mentioned, my I, I do I do think actually probably uh, an important factor here is just is just the sort of human factors in terms of what we think about chest x-ray and how often we use it and how good we how good a test we think it is and what we think the drawbacks of the test might be um and these are all things to do with individuals cultures and organizations that's my intuition i can't i can't say that definitively i mean what we can say is this uh we we can talk about what we find based on the characteristics that were recorded and included in this in this modeling exercise but when you look, we did actually include quite a lot of things, and most of the things that could could readily be obtained from the the data available. Um, so that that would be my that would be my sense. Um, in terms of the second part of your question was how we how we should think about this in terms of uh, the quality of our practice. I think there's a few things, and we ought to be a bit careful. Um, you met. You alluded to some of the evidence that increasing chest X-ray use can help improve outcomes, and the evidence around this is not it's not entirely definitive. There is a paper that came from Leeds. Um, first author was Martin Kennedy, published in Thorax, and this did seem to show a stage shift in lung cancer diagnosis towards earlier stage diagnosis in uh, over time uh, as during a, a symptom awareness campaign, which led to a great increase in the number of chest X-rays being undertaken in Leeds, but that was over a period of time. So it became it becomes quite difficult to really confidently attribute that to that one factor of increasing chest X-ray rates. Although uh, this seems to be an effect that was observed in Leeds and not and not other places. Um, so we think we think that it's plausible that increasing chest X-ray rates could could improve outcomes, uh, but I think that remains to be shown on, on a, at a at a GP level. And there is some other evidence that's mentioned in the in the discussion of the paper that um, that goes a bit the other way. There's a paper by O'Dowd which showed no benefit in terms of outcomes uh, linked to increased uh, use of chest X-ray. So I think I think it's plausible that uh, undertaking more chest X-rays in patients who have symptoms, I would say very plausible uh, that that would lead to improved outcomes. So by improved outcomes, I mean earlier stage of diagnosis and survival. But I think we still need to do that extra. We need need to make that extra link in terms of the evidence between the uh, the behavior of chest X-ray rates and the and the lung cancer outcomes. And that's something we'd like to look at in a, in a in a future study. I'm delighted you picked up on that, Stephen, because I made a bit of a sweeping statement and I was hoping you might, you would go through the evidence in a wee bit more detail. And you've done that beautifully there because, as I say, we've got to be very careful about making any assumptions that 
um, quickly, too quickly assuming that more chest X-rays necessarily results in better outcomes. But what do, where do you think we should go next with this, Stephen? In terms of chest X-rays in general practice, what are going to be the? This is slightly beyond the scope of the paper, though. You get into this in the discussion a little bit more. What do you? Where do you think the push should be? Well, I think this is a really interesting area. So there's been a lot of attention on on low dose CT and C, and improves access to CT um, in terms of improving cancer outcomes. And I think that will certainly be important. We use CT less in other countries, and I think we need more access to those investigations, certainly. But I I I am also inclined to think that we could make, make better use of the of the chest X-ray capacity that we already have. Uh, to diagnose lung cancer, uh, particularly in patients who have symptoms. And with lung cancer screening, that's going to be an increasingly important part of, of cancer policy. But we know from studies that um, uh, that the majority of lung cancer cases actually are, are in patients who would not have been eligible for lung cancer screening. So it's the job of the GP is still going to be really important. And at the minute, the the tool that we have really at our disposal is the chest X-ray, and I think we need we need to use it um, use, uh, appropriately. And I think we can make we can probably make better use of it. In terms of what what clinicians can take out of this paper, I suppose one thing that might be useful to do as a, a, a kind of quality improvement reflection would be to look at your own practices, chest X-ray use, which you can do through the diagnostic imaging dataset, which. I think anybody with a with a NHS.net email address and a legitimate reason to access the data can do so. Of course, we're not saying that a practice is high quality practice because they do a lot of chest x-rays or they're a low, low quality practice because they don't do many chest x-rays. But I think it's just one of these metrics that you can combine with a lot of other things to reflect on, on practice and ask, ask whether perhaps uh, we ought to be doing more chest x-rays for patients who have who have symptoms. Um, so I think I think often in discussions around policy and imaging for lung cancer, these things are set up in a, as a sort of either or, we should do CT instead of chest X-ray. I think actually we need to use more chest X-ray now while we're building up our CT capacity. Uh, but there are, there are limitations with chest X-ray and that will mean that also means that it's important that we that we use CT as well. Stephen, you've covered this area really tremendously well. Um, I'll draw things to a close there. And I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time today. Great, great. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.org. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again.